This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. And now for our scripture reading, it's Isaiah 61 through 7. And bear with me, I had trouble reading this earlier. Arise, shine for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall (laughs) see (laughs) and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A A multitude of camels shall cover you. And young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Neboah shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on the altar and I will beautify my beautiful house. This is the word of the Lord. Kelsey was glad that the scripture reading was short, but then she was like, wait, this is hard. <laughs> I'll make sure that you're on the list for our, our Isaiah series when we do chapters at a time. I know, right? <laughs> uh, we are going to jump back into the Isaiah after the summer. Um, We're actually wrapping up a series that we started the year off with, kind of talking about uh, who is God, what is he doing, and then eventually that's getting us to who are we and what are we to do. Um, So so we started off with what we call the true story of the world, and this is a, a summary, a summary of all of scripture. So we spent two Sundays we spent two Sundays summarizing the whole Bible. Uh, and and uh, if people have been around churches before, they may have heard of the sort of the three-part creation. Uh, now, I, now I can only think of it in six. <laughs> creation, fall, redemption, or creation, new creation. And we're sort of explaining all of scripture um, consistent with some other uh, churches that we've kind of worked with, some uh, people that we've partnered with as part of the SOMA network, but we're sort of explaining all of scripture in six parts. And we use these little icons to just sort of as a teaching tool to help us summarize all of scripture. We have, we have creation with the down arrow. God, God comes down and makes all things good, right, and beautiful. God, God creates uh, out of nothing and, and makes things that reflect his glory, that, that point back to who he is and what he's doing. And the culmination of that creation is those who actually image him. And not just image him, but as part of creation, they take what God has already created and they, they bring more good, right, and beautiful out of what God has already created. This is, a, this is the beauty of what God has done in creation. And, one, and then the next act is the, is the fall or the rebellion. So even though God has done all of that, God has pointed back to his good, right, and beautiful character. 
and, and given men and women uh, sort of a, a, a way to move forward and create more of that, they rebel. They decide to do it their own way and they push back against God and say that they know better. And so because of the rebellion, things are broken. Because of the rebellion, we live in a world with good, right, and beautiful, but also with brokenness and destruction and evil. And so the forward arrow, I'm making sure I'm pointing the right way, the forward arrow is promise. From about Genesis 3 all the way to right before Matthew, the huge section of your Bible is, is explaining what God has promised from the beginning. God, God has promised to bring someone that would crush the head of the serpent. God has promised to restore the relationship between him and his people. God has promised to, to move forward in his original design to bring more of the good, right, and beautiful throughout his entire creation. So he's, he's moving through that promise in the Old Testament. And then we get redemption. Then we get the cross. Then we get Jesus restoring that relationship between those who would rebel against him taking the punishment for sin and enabling God's people finally again in a way that hadn't been experienced since before the fall enables God's people to come before him and be in his presence in a way that they've never been before because of what Jesus has accomplished. Amen. So now he's our high priest sitting in the heavenly places, mediating God's presence through the spirit so that you and I can be in God's presence and enjoy him. And now as we move forward in the kingdom, with Jesus sitting on the throne, we can spread that presence throughout all of creation as we bring more of the good, right, and beautiful called his kingdom. And that's where we are today. That's where we are in the story of the world. We are in his kingdom as we move forward with our king on his throne. Amen. And we look forward to the last arrow. We look forward to the day where he will return again. He will make all things new and he will create a new heavens and a new earth and will experience his presence and his character through what's been created in ways that we can't even imagine. Yeah, that's what we look forward to. So we spent two weeks talking about who God is and what he is doing and what he's done. And then, then, then after that, Cole kind of gave us a, a narrowed in on, let's, let's just talk about God's mission. Like, what, what is God's purpose? Like, this is the story, and we're in this, this second forward arrow in the, in the kingdom reality, but what is God's purpose in all of this? Cole's trying to help us understand what is actually God, what is God doing as we walk through this whole story? And he kind of focused on three things, sort of an all-encompassing um, uh, explanation of what God is doing. What, his, what is his mission? What is God's mission? What's his purpose? And he said that he's expanding his presence through his people in his world. That's what God is doing. God is expanding his presence through his people in his world. And I think what was genius about what Cole did is that's been God's purpose from the beginning. That was God's purpose before the fall. That was God's purpose after the fall. That was God's purpose in the redemption act of the story. That's God's purpose now in his kingdom as, we, as it spreads through his people. And someday that's all we'll know is the presence and the glory and the beauty of God with the people of God. That's what God has been doing the whole time.
That's his mission. And so then we said, okay, well, if that's who God is and what he's doing, then who are we? Who are we? How do we define ourselves? And that's what Ben talked about last week. Most of us define ourselves by what we do. You know, we meet someone, what's like the first thing we ask? Here in Colorado, it's like, are you from here? You know, that's like, that's the first thing. But after that, after that, the next thing you ask is, what do you do? <laughs> right, like, what, like what's your job? What do you, and so we're, we're trying, we make sense of who we are by the things that we do. And scripture's flipping that on its head and saying, you make sense of who you are based on what God has done. What God has done and who God is defines those who are in his image. That's what defines us. And so Ben kind of took some time to tell us, uh, we looked at the Trinity. And so, uh, so we're baptized in the name of, the character of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So what does it mean that God is Father, that God is Son, that God is Spirit? And he said, who God is defines who we are. We know who we are, is what Ben said, because we know who God is. We know that he's son. Oh, I went past father. We know that, he, well, they have to go in order. No, I don't. <laughs> Maybe they don't. Uh, we know that he's father and he's adopted us. God has acted to adopt his children. So no matter what you do, you are a beloved son and daughter of God. Amen. Because he's acted. He's defined who you are. And it doesn't stop there. He's son and as son, he served and is now enthroned in heaven. Jesus is king. And therefore, we acknowledge that as his servants because that's who he is. He's king and everyone will serve him in one way or the other. But we acknowledge who God is and what he's done. And that makes us fellow servants. That makes us servants of the king, of what the son has done. But he's also spirit. And as spirit, what has God done? He's, he sent his spirit, dwelled inside of us, and has therefore equipped us to go out into his world to accomplish his purposes. Amen. That's what he's done. So it doesn't matter what, in some sense, it doesn't, it doesn't define you by what you do or, or how your week went or what you messed up or, or where you let, were led astray. Those are important things and God is working to make us in line with who he is and what he's done. But at the end of the day, you're defined. Who you are is defined already by what God has done. So now I recap all of that because we have to remember those things as we get to the part that all of us probably wanted to hear first. So what do I do? <laughs> we, we just naturally go there. And I'm going to try to pull us back a little bit. But the, the summary statement of what we do, what our mission is, is to bring good to others as we're formed by God together. Amen. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. What do you do in light of who you are, in light of what God has done? You bring good to others as we're formed together by God, or formed by God, together. <laughs> and it, like any mission statement, I was thinking about this. Um, when, we, when we make a mission statement, there's like 500 million other things we want in there. 
Um, but it's like you, a mission statement can't be like this long, you know? So um, I, I, I was thinking it's like, a, it's like when someone sends you a Snapchat of a concert <laughs> or, or someone posts a video of a concert. You're like, yes, I know that's the song. Yes, I know that's the artist, but it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same as like the real life experience of being there. And sometimes the sound is so bad, it's like hard to even make sense of it. <laughs> but bear with the analogy. Um, a mission statement only makes sense when, when we see it in real life. When we actually wrestle with what it looks like in our lives. And it also only makes sense in light of everything I just said. <laughs> that who God is and what he's done and how that's defined who we are. So this isn't going to say everything. And this morning, I want to sort of apply it to a handful of like real life situations so that we can say, what does it mean then to bring good, to, if, that's what I'm, if that's our mission as a church, if we're saying that's what our purpose is, then let's look at some situations and say, well, how does that work itself out? How can I take this from like a video of a concert to like IRL? Like this is, this is what it is. So we're gonna look at, we're gonna look at three scenarios and sort of quickly sort of a, a apply what it means to bring good to others as we're formed by God together. We're gonna look at our jobs, we're looking at our family, and we're gonna look at our community. Jobs, are, I feel like that covers about everyone in some degree or the other. <laughs> jobs, family, and community. And these are not the only places that we are on mission, but, but these are uh, a good three maybe to take this mission and sort of apply it to what we're doing. So, um, Let's pray first. Um, I can calm down. This coffee is good. <laughs> and it's been a little while since I've stood up here. Um, been on the way here, I have to say this. He was like, are you ready to get back in the saddle? And I was like, that's like the cheesiest thing you could say. But then in my, that's what I said in my head. And then right out of my mouth, I said, giddy up. <laughs> and he's like, you've been in Texas for too long. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, all right. So let's pray uh, and ask the Spirit to help us. Heavenly Father, thank you that we get a sense of your presence, Lord. Thank you that your Spirit does fill this place where two or three are gathered, Lord, you are there. Thank you that we've already had time to proclaim your excellencies to each other and to you. Lord, as we walk through our purpose, as we wanna be on mission that is consistent with who you are and what you're doing, Lord, I pray that you'd give us wisdom as we consider these things. I pray that you'd give me clarity. And at the end of the day, Lord, I pray that your spirit would impress us more with Christ, more with him, because he reveals you, our heavenly father. So I thank you for this time and I thank you um, for this family, Lord. And I pray that um, we would be encouraged by what you have to say in your word. Uh, in your name I pray, amen. amen. All right, so let's look at our, our jobs. If our, if our mission is to bring good to others as we're formed by God together, then what does that look like in our jobs? Uh, who here has a job? Okay, yeah, it's like everyone's laughing, right? There's a lot of us. Um, 
And if you don't have a job, we'll get to some of the other things too. First Peter chapter two, I think gives us a fairly clear answer of what it means to bring good to others as we're formed by God together. So we're gonna start in verse 13. First Peter chapter two, verses 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Ooh. Whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Verse 15 kind of hits the nail on the head. For this is the will of God. This is what God says is your purpose. (laughs) This is what's good. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. He says, this is your purpose, is to bring good to others. And he says a lot more there. Uh, There's some implications on the, the purpose of government even in this passage. There's some implications on how our bringing good to others actually demonstrates what he'll later say, the hope that's within us. But he's saying that right now, he's saying, this is your purpose. So I summarize this, is to bring to good to others. And he kind of goes on to tell us what that looks like. And he's gonna talk about servants and masters. Servants and masters. And, And I think if you were to ask Paul, give me work advice, Give me advice to to think through my employee, employer, or other way around, relationship. And you asked him to to point to that, regardless of all the historical details and some of the other things that are going on, the most obvious way in Paul's time to point to the employee-employer relationship was slave and master. That's the language he would have used to explain that relationship. And this is what he's doing. So he's trying to help us understand how we can bring good to others in light of that relationship. Thankfully, uh, when I worked at my last company, they didn't call me their slave. Um, we've come a long way. I'm thankful for that. We could keep, you know, but the, but there's still a there's still a master servant relationship um, in in any job. And so this is what Paul is describing in this section. He says, "Servants," in verse 18. Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Now, no one has to raise their hand on this one, but I have a feeling the same number of hands would go up. How many of us has worked for a terrible boss? <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> hands did go up. So <laughs> It's hard. Like, it's not fun. And I think, you know, Bridget worked for a, a really terrible boss. Um, and I told her, I was like, you know, you actually have freedom to go find another boss, uh, and that's okay. 
Uh, and I, uh, even Paul says, if you can avail your freedom um, from, from that, re- that slave-master relationship, he says, do that. But, but we all are, a lot of times we're in situations, even in our society today, that we work for a boss that is not so good. And we won't get into it today, but Ephesians has warnings for those bosses as well. So if you're one of those bosses. But what does it mean then? <laughs> what does it mean? How do we bring good to others as we're formed by God? together in the workplace. He tells us, he says, it honors the Lord when you suffer unjustly at work. It honors the Lord when you suffer unjustly at work. That's what it means to bring good to others at the workplace. That's hard. Work should be fair. <laughs> if anything is fair. And uh, we have HR and we have recourse to, to, to push back. It's not saying don't do any of that. But, but a lot of times we're in a work environment where that's complicated. And we can complain. We can throw them under the bus. Maybe even justly. Because we're not talking, he says, unjust masters. But he's saying, as you consider the Lord, who is the judge of all, and you bring good to others at your workplace, you actually honor the Lord by suffering in that situation that is unjust. And you might say, why would God call me to that? Why would God call us to that? Why would that be how we bring good to others? And one of the things that we value at our church is the the lowest one down there that, that doesn't, don't read into that, is gospel beauty. <laughs> we value the beauty of the gospel. And our, our purpose and our mission can only make sense in light of the gospel. And we're being formed by God. So where do we see most clearly what God looks like? In the face of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're being formed into because we proclaim that the suffering of the Messiah and being nailed to the cross was the most beautiful thing that could happen in all of history. Amen. That's scandalous. That's like being an employee that's willing to suffer well under an unjust boss. Look at what he says. He goes on to make this connection here in verse 21. He says, for you have been called... Because Christ also suffered for you unjustly, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And it's by his wounds you have been healed. And this is what it looks like to be on mission at work, to be formed by God himself. Verse 25 says, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the beauty of being formed by God, of of looking like Jesus and and bringing good, Jesus-shaped good to others in our workplace. 
is it actually draws us closer to our shepherd. It actually brings us closer to the very presence of God. It actually brings us closer to the thing that can heal us, encourage us, and transform us more than any of the best boss could ever do. So as we do good to others in our job, and we're formed by God, and we're shaped by the gospel, we do that together. We actually draw nearer to God himself. He is the one who heals us. You might say, where's the together part of this? Well, every time he says you in this section, he's talking plural. It um, doesn't say y'all. I haven't been in Texas that long. And this is Peter writing to a church, a community, to encourage them in a very practical way. How do they live out the mission together as they bring good to others in their job? So what about our families? How do we bring good to others in the family as we're formed together by God? Let's look at Colossians. Colossians 3. I actually want to start in verse 12. Another one of our values is that we value inward and outward love. We think that it's very important that we love one another. That's up there. It's a huge value for us. We also think it's very important that that love does not stay here. That that love goes out into the world. Amen. So here is Paul. He just spent some time saying what we shouldn't do. And now he's saying, here is your purpose. Here is your mission. Here's what you should do. And in verse 12, he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is who you are. God has acted and defined you already. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another together. And if one has a complaint against one another, together, what do we do? We forgive one another because this is something that we do together. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, if you're gonna value anything more, put on love which binds together, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. He's talking to the community again via this letter and saying, this is what God has called you to do. Yes, he's defined you. He's brought you into the family. But he's called you for a purpose to bring good to others as he forms you together. Amen. He goes on and talks about this idea that we're formed by the presence of God. We're, we're bringing good in the shape of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 15. He says, and let the peace of Christ, let the presence of God rule in your heart to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't, we don't use that word the same way it was used in its original context. Maybe every time you read the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you should think in your head reputation. Do everything in the, in the reputation in, in a way that is shaped and looks like how Jesus Christ would do it. And we do it with reference to God, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it's kind of the same thing as Peter. He's sort of front-loading it with, hey, this is your purpose. And now he gives us little examples of how that works itself out in the family. What does it mean to bring good to others as we're formed by God together in the family? He says, verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, Obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Amen. He's telling us, submit, love, and obey. Submit, love, and obey. This is what it looks like to be on mission in the family. And how is that Jesus-shaped? How does that relate? If we think that the gospel is the most beautiful thing, how does that connect back to what Jesus has done? I mean, the, the eternal son, Philippians says, didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped. He is equal with God, but what did he do? He took on the form of a servant and gave of himself. He submitted willingly to the father's plan. So when we submit wives to husbands, that's actually being on mission and bringing good together to your family. Husbands, what does that mean to love in a way that's shaped like Jesus? And I feel like if anyone has talked to me for any amount of time that's married, it means that you give up all your preferences <laughs> and you sacrifice yourself even to death on a cross for the one you have asked to marry you. That's what it means to bring good to others in a way that looks like Jesus, that's shaped by God together in a family. You die to yourself, husbands like Christ died for his church. That's being on mission in the family. We have a lot of little kids running around and I think um, most parents would be like, oh, okay, um, kids obeying me, I'm like that mission. <laughs> if only they would figure it out. <laughs> And I think about Jesus who submitted himself, who obeyed, who obeyed sinful parents. Like he was without sin his whole life. And he obeyed sinful parents. And we're all sinful parents. <laughs> but it's actually bringing good to others. It's actually being, you're actually helping shape your child into the image of Christ. You're on God's mission, bringing his kingdom and this is something that we even do together as we teach little children even to obey. 
that's a part of what it means to bring the kingdom of God in the reality of our families. You are, you are spreading his glory. You are make, you are, you're bringing more of the good, right, and beautiful when you at home take time to teach your children to obey you. There's a lot of ways and approaches and things we can consider in doing that, but at its core, that's something that is shaped by God and is really bringing good to those around you when you consider that. Again, we're just looking at our mission statement and instead of getting a little Snapchat video of a concert, we're trying to get to situations in our lives where we could apply this and think through this. It's not the only situation. There's a lot more I could say about marriages and about children. And we say those things. And it's good that we learn that stuff together, but it's part of bringing good to those around us by the way we are on mission in our families. So we talk about the story. The story is sort of a way to situate where we are. So the down arrow, the forward arrow, the cross, the forward arrow is the kingdom. And when we're in the kingdom, Jesus is now seated on the throne and he has a purpose. He has a mission that's worldwide. It's not just meant to be in here. It's meant to go out there. And I think the verse that sort of, as we, as we think about then, how does that fit into our communities? How are we on mission? How do we bring good to others as we're shaped by God together outside of these walls in the communities that we live in, whether it's in our neighborhood, whether it's people around the building here, uh, whether it's uh, you know, your favorite coffee shop that you go to and you just happen to know people there. How do we, how do we bring good to others as we're shaped by God together in his kingdom as we go out into the world. And I think Jesus kind of gives us an illustration that's really helpful in Matthew 5. Should be familiar with most of you, but we talked about being the light of the world. And it fits with the story. It fits with the reality that God has restored the relationship so that we could be connected with God. And so now that he has restored that relationship, he can spread more of the good, right, and beautiful throughout all of creation. So he gives us this analogy in Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. I know we live in Colorado. We throw salt out a lot to trample under our feet. Um, that's not what he's thinking. <laughs> if it doesn't preserve the food, if it doesn't add tastefulness to the food, it's not useful. He's saying you bringing good to others has a, pre a preservative, has a, has a flavor effect. It's, it's essentially you're bringing good. He goes on and says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Reminds me of Peter and give glory to your father who is in heaven. They might see your good as you bring good to others and give glory to God who is in heaven. God actually uses his people as he is present with us 
to demonstrate his character, just like in the original creation, the good, right, and beautiful character of God to those around us as we bring good to others, to those outside of the community, to those in our, in our local communities. And I think Isaiah 60, what, what uh, Kelsey read, let's look at Isaiah 60, the, this idea of bringing a light to the world. Jesus didn't think, oh man, this is a really good analogy. I should use this one. Jesus was very familiar with his scripture. <laughs> He, he, this, is not a, this is not a new concept that God's people would bring more good, right, and beautiful to all of those around him. And this is what's being described in Isaiah chapter 60. Verse one, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is as we're, as we're shaped by God. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. The rebellion has happened. Things are broken. People don't image God as they should, ourselves included. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Jesus was telling his disciples that you're a light, a city set on a hill in Jerusalem or somewhere in Israel, on the other side of the globe. Here we are as nations today, worshiping God and being formed by God and bringing good to others as we do this together because of what Jesus has done. Because of God's presence with 12 fishermen, counting Paul, wasn't a fisherman. Because of God's presence with 12 people, now the nations have seen a light and been drawn into God himself. Verse four, he says, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall come over you and the young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense. They shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Naoboth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar. He's talking about all of the nations will be gathered to and experience the presence and the glory of God in the very presence of God in the temple, the, 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 the altar because of God dwelling with his people, which is where Paul picks up on this idea that we are his temple. We are the ones that mediate the glory and character and beauty of God. And he talks about all these like, like all these baby camels and, and the wealth of the sea and all this stuff. And I think like if you were to reinterpret that maybe into, to, uh, I was thinking about how would that, you know, no one cares about a camel right now unless you're going to the zoo. Um, but it doesn't, none of these things weigh on our like, uh, how the health of our society. We're like, wow, did you guys look at how many camels there were this week? You know, like that's not, it's, it's almost like he's saying uh, you will be a light to the world because of God's presence and housing will be abundant and traffic will be light <laughs> or whatever. I'm just trying to think of ways that would, would be, bring more of the good, right? And beautiful of God's character throughout his creation. He's like, and that happens 
because they shall come with acceptance upon my altar because of the sacrifice that's once for all been done by Jesus Christ, by the messianic figure that is to come, by the suffering servant in Isaiah, because of what he has done, everyone has a chance now to be in God's presence and for the good, right, and beautiful character of God to begin to spread across the entire world. That's what God is doing through his people. Jesus actually picks up on this in the same poetic section in Luke chapter four. Verse 16. This is not, there's only a few verses after what I just read. Jesus is, picks up the scroll. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as it was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. This is a, a section right after what I said. And Jesus read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's reading from the Isaiah scroll. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He's saying redemption in the story is here. The kingdom is being brought near. I'm undoing what was broken in the past. I'm drawing all peoples to myself and I'm transforming and bringing more of the good, right, and beautiful to the world around me. They didn't know what to do with that. They couldn't make sense of that. Right after that section that Jesus read, Go back to Isaiah 60, look at 61. I thought this was fascinating, right? A verse and a half after, after what Jesus said in verse four. So Jesus quoted this section and then it goes on and this is what it says. They shall build up the ancient ruins and they shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Jesus said, hey, I started this. I'm here. The kingdom is at hand. And Luke says, Acts tells us about all that Jesus continued to do. We're in the kingdom section of the story. He's equipped us by his spirit and sent us out so that we could, it says, rebuild ancient ruins raise up former devastations and repair ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. That's what he's equipped us for. That's how we bring good being formed by God, as we're formed by God together. And that might be um, a little bit of a lofty goal, but I wanted to give some examples of how that's actually worked itself out at Emmaus or maybe could work itself out. Or maybe things we need to be thinking about. We prayed about it this morning. Lauren and her GC has been rebuilding relationships with their Bridge of Hope mom. She was in homelessness and she's struggling. It's not like 
you have a home and things are taken care of. There's a lot. And there's a lot that Lauren can't do. And together we can do more. But we're, we're rebuilding even just relationships. We're rebuilding very fundamental structures of society of a mom that wants to just take care of her children. That's what it looks like to bring good to others as we're formed by God. And as we bring good to others outside, that's hard because we don't get much back from that in a worldly sense. Like, what, like this is someone we are just as a community desiring to serve. We, we prayed for um, another Bridge of Hope mom this morning that has been difficult for our GC to get connected with. Like we wanna help and we wanna build relationships and we wanna be there for her and, and, and build them up and restore some things. But, but we need God to do that. We need God to open those doors to make that possible. And so together this morning, we prayed for that. And if I, it, it, I know that's what God wants to do. I know he wants us to, our purpose is to bring good to others as we're formed by him. So we're formed by him as we go before him and say, Lord, we are insufficient for this. We can't do this. We need you to work. We need your spirit to work to open doors so that we can care and concern for those around us. That's what it means to be formed by God together. This had me kind of convicted about my involvement in my HOA. Uh, I was involved in my HOA because I wanted a Peloton downstairs in the basement. <laughs> I was like, well, if I get on the HOA, I can get what I want. I still don't have what I want. Um, but it, there, there's 99 units in the building and there's people on fixed income. Not everyone is, is balling out downtown. Um, and there's a lot of things to juggle. And I think just, I think my heart should be more about caring for those in the building than getting what I want. <laughs> Abraham asked me uh, on Friday, he's like, well, how do we know when we're bringing more of the good, right, and beautiful, when we're, when we're leaning into the things around us and we're, and we're bringing good? He said, how do we know when this is something we're doing as believers. We're just kind of putting it in contrast to, to people who may abandon the church altogether and lean into to something to do that really well. And I, and I thought about that and I was like, well, that's a good question. Because we're made in God's image and, and we, we don't have to do this together formed by God necessarily to bring good. There's a lot of people that bring good in the world and I'm really thankful for that. And that the first thing that I thought of and the more I thought about it, I thought this, would, this is what Jesus like bringing good to others looks like. Like we're, we're formed by God. We're in the shape of Jesus. It looks like doing it for others and not for myself. If our desire is to serve and sacrifice and give ourselves for others, that's how we're bringing good to others around us. Then I think that's a, a way to know that that's good that we're bringing that's formed by God. That's good that we're bringing that shape like Jesus Christ because we're doing it for others because we're actually finding our rest, our joy, our peace, our satisfaction in the presence of God himself. It's we, um, in our, st our staff meeting, we were talking about, well, how can we bring good to others around Sterling? <laughs> how can we bring good to others to the businesses that are around here? What can, what, what can we do that's helpful to those around us. And it's, here's what we came up with. <laughs> we, free coffee, <laughs> hear me out. 
baby steps. We're actually going to put an A-frame sign out there that says free coffee. And I'm going to, one of us or some of us or together, together, some of us are going to go to some of the businesses in the area and just say, hey, on Sunday, no strings attached. We have single origin pretentious coffee. Feel free to come in and just get some for free. I think that's a good way we can bring good to those around us. Do I want them to experience the presence and glory of God? Of course I do. (laughs) Would I love for there to be relationships and connections that come from that? Of course I would. Ben sent an image of what the sign would look like, and he had a little asterisk that said, um, with baptisms, free coffee. And I was like... (laughs) Which is a, but that's the, that's sort of like the, that's funny and also cringeworthy because that's the impression, right? Like, like, you know, you almost have to convince someone that like as a church, we actually just want to bring good, period. You know, we think there's so much more good in the, the person and work of Jesus Christ and in God himself. And we're excited. We're so filled up with that, that the good is just overflowing to those around us. And if you want to know about that, we're happy to talk about those things. But we're also just happy to bring good to those around us. And we think just advertising free coffee to some of the businesses and talking to people is a good way to be like, hey, it's, you got to work on a Sunday. If you want some free coffee, it's right here. Come in, we could be singing, we could be praying, just grab you some coffee and get out of here or hang out, it's up to you, you know? Like whatever you want to do. So there's just a way we can bring good to those around us. This is God using his church to build his kingdom as Jesus tells us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want. That's what he's equipped us for. And and if we are living out of that true story and we're considering who we are because of what God has done, not because of what we do or don't accomplish, we're no less sons and daughters of the king if the coffee thing doesn't work out. You are no less loved by God when your kid rebels against you. God is one who defines who we are. And we can rest in that. We can have peace in that. We can enjoy him because of that as we live out of our mission to bring good to others as we're formed by God together. I thought about ending there, but I have a couple last points. (laughs) Jesus gives us a couple of warnings and I kind of want to share those warnings. We won't go to the passages. But he says that the kingdom doesn't look extravagant. It's like leaven in bread. Like just a little bit can make a big difference, but you don't really know that it's there. A handful of people have done bread. <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at them. It's really good. But you don't see the leaven, but it makes a big difference. It changes how it comes out. He describes it as the kingdom is a mustard seed. Like the most insignificant little seed, but it grows. It grows and it provides shade and rest for kingdoms. So when we think about living on mission in light of God's kingdom, in light of of where we're at in the story, Jesus is almost saying, don't look for something extravagant. (laughs) Sacrificing for your spouse and loving them well doesn't get Instagram very much. But that's leaven 
that can make a difference as you live on mission in your family that can change all kinds of things. I mean, honestly, a lot of why we are struggling to serve some of the Bridge of Hope moms is because men haven't done that. And they're devastated. Jesus also gave us a warning about the difficulty of this. In Luke 14, he says, count the cost. He's like, what? If you're gonna live on mission, if you're going to be a part of the kingdom, he's like, who goes out to war and doesn't figure out like if it can even happen, if it's possible or not? He's like, I'm calling you to take up your cross. And if you're gonna bring good to others in a way that's shaped like me, it's, it's sacrificial. It's painful. It's difficult. So he says, count the cost. Consider carefully what God is calling you to do. He tells us to do that. But he also encourages us. We'll hit on this more depth in our series in John that starts next week, but he says to his disciples before he goes to heaven, he's sort of giving them all this teaching before he is crucified. And he says something that's super encouraging because I'm sure they're just like, they don't even like accept that he's gonna die, much less the implications of everything else. He says, he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. He is sitting on his throne. He is king. He is bringing his kingdom. And so yet yeah, this is difficult and it's sacrificial, but we can rest knowing that the gates of hell won't stand against his church. We can rest knowing that he's sitting on the throne, building his kingdom in that last part of the story, the new creation reality where we're all in his presence and bringing more of the good, right, and beautiful to the entire world, that is for certain. That's what we have to look forward to. So I wanna challenge you guys as you think in your gospel communities this week. What does it look like to bring the good, right, and beautiful? What does it look like to bring good to others? What does it look like to be formed together by God? What does it look like to, to be a family together? Like those are the kinds of questions that you ask together. <laughs> But also, this is happening. The Spirit has been, we, maybe we didn't use this phrase right here until today, but God has been building his kingdom at Emmaus for the last 12 years. <laughs> he is at work. You guys are being formed by God. You are bringing good to others. You are very much together in a lot of these things. I see that. How do you celebrate that in your gospel community? How do you look at what the spirit has been doing and what God's been doing as he builds his kingdom and say, Lord, thank you for the work that you've been doing. It's amazing, Lord, that you have been doing this work and we wanna worship you and praise you and thank you. And because we value what you're doing, Lord, we wanna see more of that. We wanna see more people brought into the kingdom, more people who experience the very presence of God, more of my neighbors see the good that flows out from God's presence and more together as we're united by the one spirit who has sent us out to be on this mission. Amen.
That's our purpose. That's our mission. To bring good to others as we're formed by God together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the wisdom that's in your word. Lord, thank you that your spirit illumines our hearts and our minds and works to draw us near to you, works to bring more good into our families, into our communities, into our workplaces, Lord. Help us see that all of life is something that can be done for your purpose and for your glory, Lord. Help us be encouraged by that. Help us see that because you have defined who we are, everything we do has worth and value in your kingdom. So I thank you for this time, Lord. I pray that as we reflect on you in communion, as we reflect on you in song, that we would be formed by your presence together. Amen.